yeah, welcome to our 100th episode. We have we Michael finally Imper- dropped it. Yeah, we were waiting for the the movie to come out. We have Michael Imperioli coming on to talk about uh, Sopranos and everything. But first, I mean, to talk about many scenes in Newark and Sopranos. But first, uh, so Yami, I figure we'd give people a taste of pajama pants first. Yami, I had I sent a couple things to Gabby and asked her to edit them together for us. And I'm going to send yeah. it to your phone right now. I'm okay. suspicious about this. And <laughs> I love when you surprise me. Yeah, yeah. You're going to, I think you're going to like this. Okay. I am, I'm not a, I am a professional. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, uh, at the <gasps> supermarket. Oh, my nipples were like pointing to the fucking <laughs> North Star. Onititi? <laughs> like if you go to uh, I want to be friends with this girl. She looks like she has a great time. Oh, <laughs> that's what we see every week, Amy. What do you think, Amy? Lee? I love it. <laughs> you guys really just bring out the best in me. That's our Amy Lee. There it is. Yeah, we, we've got to slap. We got to put that up for people to see. Oh, yeah, that's that's going on. Our so wow. see, you're the you're the brains behind. Welcome to the brains behind. the. Wow. Brain. I didn't think of that. We should we should show people that the Sharpies. Wow. My idea. <laughs> the pod. The Sopranos. All my idea. Well, welcome, hey, especially if you're new and you haven't tuned into our podcast before. Uh, I'm Kasim. This is my sidekick, Rob and our queen, Jamie Lee. We're the number one non Soprano Sopranos podcast. Mm-hmm. That's right. Today we're going to be a little more Sopranos than non Sopranos. That's this right. is a big Sopranos episode. This Heavy is our Sopranos. review and talk about the Many Saints of Newark, which just hit HBO Max this week. Whether you're struggling with grief, relationships, or stress, or having trouble sleeping or meeting goals, online therapy might be for you. BetterHelp has helped several people I know, including myself, get through some difficult times. And if you're someone who feels or needs to talk to a certified professional about personal issues, BetterHelp is for you. BetterHelp is a secure online therapy that offers videos, phone, and even live chat sessions with a licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own accredited therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. I mean, we've talked a lot about therapy, and I just I just know for me, anytime that I bring in talk therapy into my life, um, it's not even about solving the issue. It's just kind of to me, releasing the pressure and just feeling heard and having your feelings validated. And that can just be enough sometimes. Yeah. I, I used uh better help and it was, um, it was more than just like a once a week talk with somebody. Cause you actually also yeah. have access to this person. Like you can message this person at any time during the That's week. Right. They're, they're... Yeah, you can log into your account and message your therapist anytime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can get back to you and and if not right away, they'll uh, respond to you, any questions that you have. What I really like about BetterHelp is when I, uh, in real life, when the first time I went uh, to therapy, I actually didn't like the first therapist. And it was such a process to find yeah. another one. It's like you have to go and you talk to somebody else to recommend it. And you're trying to find somebody. And um, BetterHelp makes it really easy and totally free to change uh, therapists whenever you feel the need to. Visit betterhelp.com slash pajama and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. 
In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. That's cool. Uh, Pajama Pants is sponsored by BetterHelp, and our listeners get 10% off for their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash pajama. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash pajama. Make your living room your waiting room. Yeah, stay tuned for the show. We've got the very talented Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos on today's episode. <laughs> you are just the most talented. Hey, Michael. Hello, Hi, Michael. Michael. Hi. Here, here's what I want to know. So you're obviously watching uh, the whole series again for your podcast, Talking Sopranos. I want to know, like, what is your routine when you watch the show? Like, do you have food? Do you have drink? Do you, do you have to be alone? Do you do it with people? What's your routine? Oh, no, I got it down. When we started, I would do. I would watch it twice and I would do two days. Now I have it down to I do the recording and the break, you know, the watching and the notes the same day because I'm busy and it's like I, I need. I can't do this for two days. During yeah. the pandemic, it was different because nothing was happening. I have a lot of shit going on, like a lot of moving parts. So if I'm recording, that's the day for that. So I'll I'll start at 9 a.m. And why, uh, it takes me about three hours to go through, watch the episode and take my notes. Hmm. There's certain I like to research every kind of pop culture, cultural, historical reference, anything that's wow. mentioned, I like to look it up and, you know, see if there's something interesting to talk about, you know, and then I'll have something to eat. And, you know, around 1230 or something, and then we start recording like between one and two. And that takes another at least three hours. Wow. That's a full so day. I, that's a, it's a full day and it's kind of exhausting, but it's better to break. It's better to do it all at once for me because I know, okay, Friday's podcast day. Right. I don't have to do anything else rather than break it up. And it's like half a day doing this. Um, yeah, Something I think tells me Steve's that. process is much different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's different. Um, but, you know, he's he watches it twice. He watches it the day of. I found I can just do it really effectively if in one, if I really concentrate and give it the space. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't need to watch it twice. And I like also watching it and recording the same day because it's so fresh. Yeah. You know, I just stopped, I just watched it. You know? So where are you guys at now uh, on Talking Sopranos? We have five left. Wow. Wow. That's been, that's it. We huh? just did flew season by. seven, episode four. Flew yeah. by. Five left. That's it. And then sayonara. I mean, people have been asking, um, why don't you continue it? And I'm like, continue what? what are we <laughs> yeah. You well, know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. Wait, maybe there's another show that you guys could do this on, because I think there's something to be said about the way you see things, even though you were so intimately involved with Sopranos. I think that you're such an artist. And I think that you've probably just you know garnered a lot more fans even just hearing your interpretation of things and how you feel about things so i think the sky's the limit i i would listen to you dissect Maybe. any show i just don't want to i have no interest in doing another tv show like as a podcast right none right um and i don't really want to do movies or anything so i mean maybe down the line to do a podcast that's more about you know art and spirituality and something like that but i i don't know that's down the road and um 
I'm not thinking about that. I mean, I think this is good that we we set out to do this. We're going to do all the episodes. It'll be there forever yeah. as a companion to the show. Yeah. And that's, you know. And you've got and the book coming up. We have the book coming out. So the book, um, you know, the book is really good. If uh, I mean, if I say, do say so, I mean, it's, uh, it's like almost 600 pages. And it's, um, it really moves really well. Like it's very readable. So you just, you pick it up and you can pick it up wherever and just like go through chunks and it's, it's an oral history. So it's, it's all of us talking about what it was like, you know? Yeah. Well, if you don't know what you should, like, if you're looking for stuff to do after your interviews were incredible, like the, the Ricky Gervais was amazing, but the David Chase was just, it was, it was yeah, great. Yeah, that was a good one. I loved it. That was a really good one. He really opened up and uh, we did one with him yesterday. We, we released the many saints of Newark episode. Yeah. So it's a special one-off. There's no, we don't break down a Sopranos episode. It's just um, David, Michael Gandolfini, Alessandro Navola, Leslie Odom, Corey Stoll, and John Magaro. And just interviews with them about the show. So it was a different interview with David, just focusing on the many saints. And I think David wants to come back again on the podcast for the end. That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah I he saw, listens to it. I saw the Michael uh, Gandolfini and the David last night. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it came out pretty good. So we've done three episodes that were standalones. One was just. David's first interview was 90 minutes of David Chase, no Soprano episode. Then we did a super fan. So we had six or eight fans from different countries that wrote in. They had to write an essay on why they should be on the show. Well, in college. And we had an episode where we just interviewed them. And it, it turned out really fun. It was one guy was a professor from Oxford University in England. Cool. One guy kind of ran the Cavern Club in Liverpool. <laughs> One woman was a firefighter and a and a UFC fighter in in my neighborhood here, up west side. From she's originally from Staten Island. One was like a grandmother teacher in Kansas. It was a very eclectic mix of people yeah. who had a lot of very interesting things to say about the show. Did you learn anything from them? You know, just learning how wide the range of interest is in the show. Um, we weren't sure, like, this could have been a disaster, you know? <laughs> God knows, you know, you're kind of opening it up to who knows what, but it turned out really fun. We may do a second volume of that before we wrap it up, um, just because it worked so well. Mm -hmm. Were there any questions that you wanted to ask David that you decided, like, oh, I'm not gonna... No, not really. I still don't know what his position is on the ending because he <laughs> waffles and he said different things at different times. And I'm not really sure. I'm like kind of confused now as to what he's really said about it. Like, <laughs> I guess he said, that's it. What you see is what you get. That's the end. There is no after that. It's just it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we spoke about that, Jamie, the other day, yeah. but I don't. Um, I found out something really interesting yesterday. We interviewed Rob Sprague, who is the guy who wrote the song, the theme song from mm -hmm. Alabama 3. And he said the song there was a there was a uh, a news a thing in the news in England about 
I guess a woman was being abused really badly by her husband. And I think she shot him. And the song is about her. Woke up this morning, got myself a gun, born under a bad side, blue mo in your eyes. Ma oh, Mama always said you were the chosen one. It's about a woman. I never thought, I never knew that. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it made me look at the song totally differently. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't heard that song in a long time. And then hearing it at the end of the trailer, like I watched a trailer with Jamie and Kasim and it was like, it, it's set, like you feel it on the back of your neck, you know, yes. when that song comes yeah, on, true. when you haven't heard it in a long time. Well, did, did you guys see the movie? Yes. Yeah, we all watched it this weekend. I just watched it this morning. Fresh, watch it this morning. Fresh as a daisy. Are you having anybody from the movie? Uh, no, I, we're going to probably ask uh, Michael, but we have, again, like, you know, most of our episodes are not really. We're the number one non-Sopranos Sopranos podcast. You're the number one Sopranos podcast. <laughs> and you're the non-Sopranos Sopranos. That's right. Exactly. We just yeah, so happen to be on the Sopranos, but we don't talk about the Sopranos that much. I, I, I like that idea. Yeah. And it's maybe I, that's what me and Steve will do. Yeah. It was such. Yeah. It was such a part of me and Jamie's relationship that obviously it comes up. Mm -hmm. A lot, but we just don't want to, you know, we don't want people coming here expecting like, you know, the amazing work that you do, like dissecting episodes or talking about like our things are kind of like, you know, goofy memories that we talk about sometimes uh, thinking about like eating craft service and like doing these kinds of things. But I, you know, I never watched the show. Jamie recently watched like half of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I honestly had to stop. It was... um it got harder and harder as it went on. Um, not in a bad way. It's just, you know, it's, it, it almost, you know, it was so much of our lives, but it all, it kind of happened so fast. And then it's, it's just, it felt like if I finished it, it was done. I don't know if it mm -hmm. feels like if I, I haven't watched it all, that's, I don't know. I'm having a hard time finding the right words. I, I had this experience when I watched the movie where I was just reminded so much, you know, David doesn't really write dialogue. You know, it's like, there's no words that are wasted. It's just, everything has meaning behind it. And it, there was moments where I was so envious of the actors that were getting to say his words because I missed that, you know? Sure. I understand. Yeah. And I think, Rob, yeah. our experience was like our perspective was just different. Uh, yeah. You know, I think there's I think there's such a different perspective that people had when like they were waiting their whole lives for a break like this and then they got it compared to like I was on the number one show in the world when I was 12 years old. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's just kind of what happens. You know, mm -hmm. like you kind of <laughs> you're 12 years old and you're on the, and you're fucking 13. And you're being flown first class to the Emmys. And like, you know, your friends are winning awards. Yours is sitting right behind you. And like you're just you know, that's I, I had friends in, you know, New York City who were like getting arrested for dealing drugs. And then my friends on set were winning Emmys and being, you know, like I, it was just I, I just thought like that was life. And now I look back at being 12, 13, 14, 15. And I'm like, man, that was fucking crazy. Yeah, I know when you're in it, it's. um, You don't always see the whole perspective of it. And it's also like the fact that it's gone on to such strange success with 
subsequent generations and stuff is it you can't predict that you don't know that that that's gonna happen and um but we certainly had fun so we did we had a lot we had a lot of fun a lot a lot i just i just have always just remember so fondly anytime we would get to go as a group to a charity event or even the award shows because you know, we didn't get to film necessarily with each other that much. And so whenever we got to really celebrate what we were, that's like really when we got to celebrate what we were a part of is felt like sure. when we were all together and got to do those things, you know? Yeah. Because so much during the shooting, we weren't together. Yeah. We were just off in our own little, whoever you were mostly with the family. I was mostly with, you know, the guys or Adriana. So it was whenever we were all together. You remember when I was sitting, I think definitely with you, maybe with you too, Rob, we were doing a photo shoot and we were watching Tony hairspray his hair. Of course. (laughs) It went on for a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) He sprays like in the air and lets it fall on his head, but it went on. He wants the essence. (laughs) We just died. We just lost it. He wasn't joking. No, no. He does it like Asian and this orange. cloud of spray just falls on yeah. him. That's what he does. He doesn't do it directly on his hair. No, that's right. too aggressive. Yeah, the but real then that's been his process thing. for decades. That was his process. Yeah, and he didn't blow dry his hair. He would air dry it. And then he had meant- he had uh, like a mini bottle of the Obsession cologne in his breast pocket that was like the size of your thumb. And after he would do all of the hairspray, he would go away. And then so he didn't smell like the hairspray. He would douse himself in obsession <laughs> cologne. <laughs> yes, he would. He he's caused a lot of. Ozone. Does, yeah, there's a yeah. hole. I was going to say there's a hole in the ozone above his house. Yeah, I have a mole on my back. Thanks to, <laughs> thanks to Tony right Sirico. Above, yeah, right above his house. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you take your hat off? So yeah, I'm smell your hair. Fucking, hold on. Wait, let me swag it. This is how I know. Get a sniff of this. You know, listen, you guys, I, I am embarrassed about my hair maintenance care when it comes to the summer because of swimming and all that kind of, I get really lazy. I use way more dry shampoo than I used to. I get, I get, I go way too many days in between washes. Sometimes, you know, you just got to clean it up. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite, if not my ultimate favorite hair care line is way. And what I use to kind of restart, refresh and get me calibrated again is their detox shampoo. So any care concerns you have, any can this, this will solve it. And like the boys were talking about before smells amazing. Smells. That's to me. That's the whole reason to use it. But, but luckily for you, there's all kinds of stuff that the shampoo does. It's a complete detox. It uh, neutralizes, build up oil, dirt, hard water from your hair and scalp without stripping away moisture. That's and I have right. a friend who is a hairdresser, and she was really excited that we were uh, that this product is on the pod because it was started by a hairdresser. So hairdressers love this. Yeah, that's Jen right. Atkin. Yeah, that's right. 
And yep. it's great for all hair types, even hair that's treated with keratin, chemicals, color, or even has a Brazilian blowout. And their signature fragrance that we're talking about completely hides the smell of the fact that it's a combination of apple cider vinegar and keratin exfoliates, which balances your scalp and does all the good work that we're talking about. Way was created by Jen Atkin to create the first socially connected hair care brand. And you could explore their full collection of cruelty, sulfate, and paraben-free hair care, body and fragrance products. When you are ready to undo some damage, hit the reset button with the Way Detox shampoo. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code pajama to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com code pajama. And right now we're both fucking. Because of blue chew? Oh, did somebody say blue chew, Yami Lee? I did. Tell me about it. Uh, Look, when I was a kid, I didn't need a lot of help in this area. But as I got older, I realized um, maybe I could uh, I could do something about strengthening, having a quality, powerful erection. Oh. Used to be Viagra. Used to be. Yeah. But now you can get the same stuff that they put in that with Blue Chew. Yeah. Delivered to your door. Delivered. You don't got to go anywhere. You know, you go online, they that you talk to a doctor, they prescribe it to you, you get it in a discreet package. And then at night, you're going to pound town with this, the fury of 1000 sons. <laughs> you feel like you can benefit from some extra confidence who can't when it's time to perform. Blue Chew can help. And we have got, like Cass said, a special offer for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. When you use our promo code pajama at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's it. That's bluechew.com promo code pajama to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Support the people, support the show. No, can we talk about the movie then? I, I saw it and maybe we can all get everyone's sort of reactions to it. I famously, well, not famously, but I haven't watch the entire series. So I have the point of view of somebody who just likes a good gangster movie. And I, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I thought specifically uh, Michael Gandolfini's performance was just so honest and believable and um, subtle. And uh, it was just, it was, it was really nice to see a lot of the mannerisms that I do remember because I did watch the first couple seasons of the show. So I, there were some things that like I could, I could see uh, James doing as Tony, but it was, you know, as Michael doing it as little Tony, I thought, you know what I noticed he did. He ate like Jim. Yeah. It was one of the first scenes he had where he was eating and he was stabbing his food. And I was like, that had to have been deliberate. And if it's not, I mean, I guess, I understand why it wouldn't, but I just always, cause we'd had so many scenes eating around the table with Jim and he would always do that to stab at the food and Michael was doing it. Yeah. 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 And, and the, uh, the Dickie, uh, performance I thought was like very oh. strong and, and, you know, anchored the movie and, and it was a character that was obviously very complex and had a lot of trouble, but like, I still felt myself rooting for him, you know, at times, even though this is like a guy who, killed his father and ends up killing his wife. And, yeah. and so it was, there was still stuff to like about the guy, 
you know, and it was hard. Yeah, there was. I mean, yeah, he does horrible things, obviously, but right. there was some kind of. And isn't that kind of what we like about these characters is that ultimately a lot of these people just aren't redeemable in so many actions that they do, but we do find a way to like, like them and want to hear and talk and see them. And well, he just, know. he gives you, it's not even about good or bad or right or wrong. It's, he gives you an opportunity just to see why people are the way they are and why they do what they do. It's up to mm-hmm. you to judge it or not judge right. it. But, you know, he, he, gives you just yeah. a real opportunity in, inside who they are and why they are that way. I think that's one of the reasons why the show was so good. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not commenting on them. He's just presenting them. You know, he's not painting them as this way or that. I mean, some were more evil than others, right? Like Ralphie and Richard Prill and, and um, right. you know, Phil or whatever. But uh, But still, for the most part, it was seeing you know some kind of humanity he makes you feel like these people are your family in the way that like if somebody told you this person did x y and z on paper who you never met you'd be like oh that's a bad person right but then when it's someone in your family and you go this person you know there's people in everyone's family where they do things you don't agree with or you you know feel a certain way about but you still love them you know because Mm -hmm. they're yeah they're your family Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. And none of us are, um, listen, I mean, I'm not saying some of the stuff that the people on The Sopranos do is just completely heinous and evil, but none of us are perfect. No. Yeah. So what you? What was your overall takeaway, you know, as, as somebody, I mean, you, you opened the movie. I mean, your VO opens the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it opens it and, and ends it. sets the scene. Yeah. And ends it. And, and, you know, so you have, you're, you can't be any more in this world. You're, <laughs> you're like in the series, you're, you do a podcast about the series and then you're in <laughs> the movie. I mean, like, how do you, how do you yeah. have, how do you be objective? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, the podcasting just kind of happened. Like, I, I, you know, I mean, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it. I, I don't know if I didn't know if I had enough to say about like, I'm thinking like, so am I going to be able to talk for two hours about an episode? You know what I mean? I could talk in general about the show, but then really specific every single week. And it turns out there's just so much, you know, it's such a great piece of work every episode. And there's so many details and so many interesting things that all the people involved bring to it, that there's a never-ending supply of things to talk about. I mean, the movie to me, for someone who's never seen the show, I don't know what the movie would be like. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how that would be received or how they would, how much they'd enjoy it. If you're a fan of the show, it's like catnip because it's the whole mythology of the family and oh, this is why this is like this. This is how this started. This yeah. is, whoa, this, ha- you know, the family secrets going back generations. I mean, that's fascinating. So as a, as a you know, um, I don't think it, it can, it's hard to separate it as, it's yeah. not an episode of the show, but it's certainly 
a soprano story like they bill it yes. as like they title it as um which i think is good yet i think it was also smart that they didn't try to kind of make it too close to the top time period of the series i think that would have been really hard yeah because there was talk at some point towards the end of the run about doing a prequel and Jim was like, what are we going to wear? Wigs and girdles like Star Trek? I remember him saying that. That's going to be like ridiculous, you know. Um, but there was a little bit of talk about it. And I think it was an interesting way in. It's a really rich time period. Yes. The attention to detail for the time period is great. A lot of the performances are awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Alessandro's brilliant um, and does a really, really good job. Um, and I really liked... Uh, Veer for Megan, yes. Corey stole a lot. Um, I like what Michael did a lot. Um, and it has the DNA and the flavor of The Sopranos. You know, it's David Chase. And yeah. it's so, um, and a lot of uh, people are don't seem to have a middle opinion about this movie. Like they either really love it or they just don't like it yeah for whatever reason they're just like no no you know i mean maybe they're too enamored of the series and they don't want anything near that i don't know but um it seems like there's not a lot of middle ground about it from what i'm getting on like social media and stuff yeah it, it felt impossible for me to be unbiased because there were times where not only like obviously michael Gandolfini like gave me chills but there were certain scenes where like it was almost like my whole living room became like it was like I couldn't hear anymore. And I was just like in the, like when they when um, Dickie Moltisanti had the scene where he was talking to young Tony on the bed. It just reminded me and because I'd never watched the show it was the first time in 15 years where it was like I felt like I was back in the room mm -hmm. when I used to do scenes with Jim. And even the, the way he spoke to him, the way that. Uh, right. young Tony replied, but then even the way that like at the end, he just like grabbed his face and like that whole thing, it felt like I was, you know, it felt like there was like, nothing going on around me. I just felt like I was there again. And it was, it was crazy. So to, yeah. I can't be unbiased because I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting chills. I'm getting these feelings, I'm getting this. So of course it's right. like, for me, it was, it was incredible. It was like no other movie. I've never felt that way watching another movie, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's so interesting I, from your point of view to have, those feelings around this movie, you know, because there's there's clearly a lot of things like I feel like the young Tony Soprano was cast to look like you as a kid. I mean, there was just so many things that I think you're so ingrained in that DNA that it, of course, it would evoke those things. But I love hearing that from you. Yeah. Did you have similar feelings, Jamie? Yes, it yeah. just felt very familiar. It's just, you know, it just. Yeah. You just, it's, it takes you back like that. Takes you back I know. immediately. Robert, why did I just, we just watched the episode yesterday, um, chasing it. When Blanca breaks up with you at the, at the uh, Puerto Rican day parade, you know, <laughs> right. why did she break up with you? God, you know, I, that would be like asking why a girl broke up with me when I was 17 years old. I don't <laughs> remember. I would have to watch the show. It's a, I don't remember anything. The only thing I remember about that whole thing was we were in New York City and on we were on 90. I grew up on 92nd Street and 2nd Avenue. We were we happened to be filming on 92nd Street and Lex, two blocks away from where I grew up. 
and they closed down between Lex and Park, and they had hundreds of people dressed exactly like it was the Puerto Rican Day Parade with flags and this. And you would see some people like come down from their house or like walking down the street and think like, oh, shit, is today the fucking Puerto Rican Day Parade? Because <laughs> oh, yeah. They would have no idea. People were like we were honking horns, like especially when filming was going on, is like people are screaming, waving flags, yelling, honking horns. And you would see people just walking by and kind of so confused on what was going on. Yeah, they, they managed to make it look really authentic. <laughs> I mean, they called it the Latino Day, but all those flags were Puerto Rican flags. So I was kind of confused, but um, maybe they couldn't call it Puerto Rican Day. I'm not sure. But I was just thinking, you know, she doesn't tell you why she's breaking up with you. You know, she just does. She gives you back the ring and that's it. And it's, uh, I mean, I was thinking maybe, I, I don't know. I, I, I wanted to ask you because I knew I was going to see you today. So that's why I brought it up. What were you? We you said it. maybe you were, because for me, I think maybe, I, I know AJ so well that for me, it's like, why did she break up with AJ? It's like, because he's fucking AJ. Like he's the worst. He's so fucking annoying. And the, so to think like, why? I, I mean, I could list a million reasons, but what were you, what were you thinking? Well, she was kind of annoying too. I'll be honest. I mean, she <laughs> was like a sourpuss. I think she felt he was immature and she wanted more of a, a mature man, you know, because she had a kid, she wanted more, more of that kind of stability and stuff like that, which I guess she may have had with her, the father of Hector. Um, Cause AJ was still kind of a kid, even at that point. I mean, he was, you know, maturing, but still kind of wide eyed. And, you know, he's like, I made man day manager in three months at the pizzeria. That's, you know, <laughs> that sounds like something. <laughs> What? That sounds like something he'd say, all right. He, he did say that. Yeah. yeah. As a selling point to why they should get married. Right. And that didn't work somehow. <laughs> we, uh, when I heard David, uh, when you were talking to David, he actually said that his favorite part of the show was the same as my favorite part, which was the read throughs, right? Because we would all get together, but also it was the only, I didn't watch the show. So it was the only time where I heard all of it and I didn't know what was going on with characters, but also it was like, I loved, I even loved like the room and where everyone was sitting. And like he said, like the Italian sandwiches and Diet Cokes and just like <laughs> that whole vibe. I loved it. And I just wanted, it was great. It was the best. And you know, what's crazy is I thought everyone felt that way. And then like, you know, we had Dre on, but Jamie also talked about it where they would say like, they would feel nervous going to those. Really? I never did. Right, Jamie? Sometimes, sometimes, but I d always enjoyed them because I, I would love to just sit around and watch everybody same because, you know, we wouldn't get to be with each other when you were filming the scenes. So to kind of just watch everybody and, and hear it firsthand was always great. No, because it was a very odd group of <laughs> yeah. misfits yeah. <laughs> that never would have come together under any other circumstances, but that. Yeah, and I remember I was usually the only kid because there were times where like nine year olds or ten year olds or whatever would have um uh dialogue in, in the show and they would show up to the read through and Jim would actually go over and like talk to somebody and be like, This kid shouldn't be here. Like, why is there a nine year old at a read through of the <laughs> Sopranos? And they kept bringing them, they kept bringing kids like back, and he would go over and be like, Can you tell like tell show them around or like do something like so it doesn't feel like they came here and then left, but like don't let them sit here for the next 10, you know, or for the next hour, like this 10 year old while everyone is like cursing and, and we're talking about killing people and fucking sh shooting people's eyes out and shit. 
<laughs> and I remember he would be like, yeah, just tell, like, like get them to go away. So they'd be like, oh, come on. We want to take you around and like show you the set. You know, that was this, you know, I guess. But the parents knew what the kids were getting yeah. into. Oh, the parents it were was, pumped. They were they so were excited. Yeah. You know, they, they were excited to be there. They're like grabbing sandwiches, making their plate, like ready to say. And meanwhile, the kid doesn't want to be there. You know, the kid's nine years old. He doesn't know who anyone is. He doesn't know what's going on. Everyone's like sitting around with these books. He probably thinks he's like, this is horrible. Like, I want to go. Right. But what what I wanted to ask you was, so obviously you got killed in the show. And I wanted to know, like, oh. was the read? <laughs> Sorry, Kat. Oh. Was was the read through for the episode where you got killed different? for you like like how were people treating you different was it was there a different kind of vibe you know because it was the last season and like i think there was only um three or four episodes after that one i forget how many exactly it wasn't like as if i was going like in season three four or five or something you know what i mean which would have been very different if the whole show was going on for another season or two or three without me but it just felt like we were all coming to the end of the run. That was it. Whether it was episode six, seven, eight, or nine, didn't really matter, you know, at that point. So I didn't feel like, wow, the show's going on without me. I never felt that. But did you and, feel the read through was like a little, like a little bit of a funeral vibe where people came up to you and gave you like these hugs and like that wasn't the normal, like, hey, oh, envelope I, of cash. I don't remember. <laughs> and when I shot the death scene, it wasn't my last scene. Because we shoot out a sequence, you know. So I, we shot that death scene. I still had scenes to do. So even that scene didn't feel like the end. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. That just felt like another day in a weird way. My last scene was just some kind of not very consequential scene with Tony and Frank Vincent. I mean, Jim and Frank Vincent, Tony Soprano and Phil doing some negotiation on a dock somewhere. That was my last scene. And it wasn't. It was a very kind of connective tissue scene, not a real big dramatic reveal or anything like that. And that was my last day. We'd already shot the death scene a couple of weeks ago. So it was it was oddly anticlimactic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it didn't really hit me till we we saw it because we, we were doing an appearance in Florida, a bunch of us. And we watched it together Sunday night at nine in June, the night it aired. And that's when it hit me. Mm. When I was like, okay, I'm not going to be seeing these people all the time anymore. It's going to, you know, this is that. It didn't really sink in till then. And I don't know why. Let me ask you this, Jam. Jammin. What's scarier than getting a box of raisins while trick or treating? Nothing. Paying too much for your home and auto insurance. Didn't think of that. But Policy Genius can help you avoid that. Protect your property from mischief this spooky season with the right home and auto coverage. Does your home and auto insurance have you saying, oh, my gourd, I'm spending too much? Yes. <laughs> Let Policy Genius look for lower rates for similar coverage. Put down your pumpkin spice latte and log on to policygenius.com to check if you can get a better price on your home and auto insurance. It's free and you could save money to spend on more lattes. We love uh, teaming up with people who try and save our listeners money. And that's what these that's what these wonderful people at Policy Genius are doing. Yeah. And I like them because they compare all the insurance prices for you and find the best one, which I always like when people can do the work for me. Yeah. I really need to do this. I, I just got into a fender bender on my car and um, I don't like the way my insurance has responded to my claim. 
And I want to find a better, and I bundled my home and auto insurance. So I'm mm-hmm. going to use policy genius. See if I can get, save some money. If I go with a different company and on average customers save $1,250 a year, if they bundle their home and auto insurance, just by using policygenius.com. That's right. And well, getting started is because I found these guys. Getting started is easy, guys. First, you just head to policygenius.com, answer a few quick questions about yourself, your property. Policy Genius takes it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, and find you the lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto insurance, like we talked about. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Hey, who do you got to bang to get a Theragun around here? Hey! <laughs> hey, yo! Oh, that's right. Uh, Jamie Jamie has to sleep with her husband. Yeah, Jamie uh, sleeps with her husband, and it benefits all of us because we all have Theragun. Look, Theragun was created with such precision and thoughtfulness so you could treat yourself. The handles, the way that they're all made. I mean, I've had a front row seat to the prototypes and the thought that, like I said, that's gone into this. You can adjust the handle so you can treat yourself in your back, your legs, your glutes, the bottom of your feet. It is part of my nightly self-care routine. It's how I unwind for the day. If you're wanting to know what a Theragun is, if you've been living under a rock, it is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. In fact, I watched an entire three seasons of succession while Theragunning myself the entire time. They also have an OLED screen and design that makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. There's an app that goes along with it with suggested routines. It's just the best. Yeah. I use it uh, before I hit the gym and after That's right. it's a great way to get your muscles kind of warmed up. There uh, it is. This, is. this is my personal Theragun. Okay. And uh, you'll notice that, um, this is a Theragun Pro. This is for the strong guys. Okay. Now the good thing for you, little guys out there, is that they make a small one and they make a travel one, which I also have. They start at one ninety nine, and there's no reason why you shouldn't have one. They make great gifts. They're good for people the that best are gift. Uh, sore from working out, um, just need like to like get a knot out of your back. They're extremely. They're not like a. It's not a gimmick to me. You know, when I use it to warm myself up, I get the same feeling that I get after rolling it out on one of those knobby roller things. Well, that's what it's doing. It's releasing the fascia. It's it's doing what a foam roller can do. So you can, if you don't believe us, try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199 by going to therabody.com slash pajama right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That is therabody.com slash pajama, therabody.com flash pajama. What was it like, like on your, the people calling you, you know, that night, the next day, like, what what was when the character died? Yeah. Like, what what was that like? Oh yeah. Cause it was a surprise, you know, right. People didn't know. We kept, we kept those storylines very, I didn't even tell it's my family. Like you anything. died, but you got to be alive to see how people reacted to <laughs> there were people left, uh, flowers outside my house. Oh my God. That's great. <laughs> In New York, yeah. I was living oh in Tribeca and like I came outside, there were like flowers outside. Candles. Yeah. <laughs> you came out there, good. you're like, can you believe it? 
I had a question. Um, so, you know, what in the backstory of, of your father, Dickie Montos, Mont- 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 you got to go learn how to say this. I got to figure this out. <laughs> I got to watch the show. Uh, did you get to talk to David Chase about like, cause as an actor, I have to imagine when you were playing Christopher that you made some choices about what your dad did or, or maybe about, you know, what your family dynamic was for the character. Did, did any of that stuff line up to what happened in uh, the many States of Newark or did David, did he consult you on any of that stuff? Because you had a very intimate knowledge of that character or maybe the family was that, did you get to have any uh, input into what kind of? No, no, I wasn't involved in the, yeah, in the writing of that uh, show, that movie at all. But I took away something really interesting because you hear about Dickie Monsante in the series several times, and I always thought Dickie was like Christopher, kind of a fuck up, drug addict. Um, I think there's even mention about that in the series. Um, maybe really hot-headed, impulsive, troubled. But in the movie, Dickie is, I listen, he does some horrendous things. I'm not saying he's a great guy, but he does have certain noble qualities and he's kind of a very composed character. He's measured, at least on the outside, had a measured sort of. Yeah, he's not like Christopher at all. Right. And that was like, whoa. So where did Christopher's, all that mess come from? And I started thinking it came from not having a father. Yeah. Not just inheriting addiction and compulsion and, you know, anger and hot headedness from like he's just cut out, cut from the same cloth. He wasn't. Maybe all his defects came from not having a father. Well, you know, you know, what's interesting, right? It's like you only got to hear about him. uh, But like your character would have only gotten to hear about him and the way that uh, Ray Liotta's character in the prison kind of only got to hear about him. He even said like, man, you're just everywhere you go. It's just death and horrible. So maybe like, you know, he only heard about him through the words and kind of looked at it of like, holy shit, like, everything's a mess, you know? So we're, and, and you never got to know what he was like as a person. You just heard all the stories. Yeah. And, you know, people are probably telling him stories to make his father out to be this legend and be, you know, really. And and Christopher always heard, you know, the crazy shit, the big shit that the guy did. You know, some of it was very important to the family and stuff. And he had this image of him. Um, But I was, you know, made me really rethink of what how Christopher inherited what Christopher inherited from. Well, they even said, you know, when they had this scene where they brought baby Christopher over to Tony and they said me the comment, like he's delayed in his speech, huh? And, you know, and remember when he like started crying the second he saw Tony and then mm-hmm. some, an old lady was like, Oh, they come from, they, they say they know things from when they come from the other side. And I'm, I looked at that moment, like, Maybe he's looking like this is a motherfucker that's going to murder me. And, you know, oh, yeah, no, no doubt. Many years. I, that's exactly what that is. Yeah, I think that's exactly. what. And that's is. where I feel like to be an ultimate fan of the show. That's the catnip you're talking about, like moments like that, that you're like, you feel you feel validated that you're piecing all of that stuff together. It's so cool. Yeah, because if you haven't seen the show, you're not going to pick that up. Right. And, and, and it doesn't have that weight and resonance right. and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, luckily your your voiceover in the beginning kind of set that up for me. 
It was so smart that they had you do yeah, that voiceover because I just right feel like grave. it's like such connective tissue and it just like your voice is so specific and and connected to the show, like hearing your voice at the top of it. It just it, I can only imagine like super fans just being like, ah, oh, yes. You know, it's like you're getting it. Oh, yeah. I've gotten a lot of yeah response from people saying, you know, uh they were crying yeah. and had chills or whatever. So that's that's kind of nice. But yeah, it's a good way to connect the series to the movie without having one of the actors in. I because I think they filmed something with Edie uh, that they didn't use. I guess like maybe Edie talking to some people about the old days, but um, it might have been too much to see yeah. one of the characters from the series. Yes. You know, this way you're seeing him, but you, you, know, you see a picture of him and you hear his voice, but you're not seeing him. Yeah. And he's dead and he's going, taking you back in time, which is, it sets it up to be weird and eerie. Yeah. Yet it does make the connection to the series. It was a smart idea, I think, by David. Yes. You know, we were talking about, it. I, I personally feel like it would be nice to explore those characters over like a few episodes of a series. But do you think that you just can't, do that because of it would be compared to the original and like he had to make a movie because it was different enough. And so it wouldn't be a direct comparison and it would be kind of like a, a bottled story that he wouldn't have to expound on. I mean, is there I any other way to do this? I would not be surprised if they do this as a series. Oh, really? I have not heard any talk about it. Right. I'm not saying anything from the inside. Yeah. But I would not be surprised if HBO wants to make it into a series. Sure. Yeah, I love the time frame. I love what's going on uh, socially during that time. Yeah. I, I loved, I loved all that. You know, there was it was it was similar to similar enough to what I know about The Sopranos, but it still gave me more. You know, um, of like this historical sort of civil rights era like just post civil rights era and it was interesting to see how you know because that i wasn't at least in the first two seasons of sopranos i didn't see a lot of like conversation around race you know no um, but he but if the sopranos is also a little bit of a time capsule though of of you know what was relevant then though you know the totally. characters definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. talked talked about and i'm not saying it should have had a conversation about race it right just, yeah, it was just a 2000s, late 90s show, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Now, I wanted to know when you first uh, were asked or approached to do the voiceover. How'd you find out? David called me. I think it was sometime during the quarantine. No, it was before, actually. It was way before. It was two years ago because I did a little. I did a couple of different versions of it. Cool. He kept tweaking and tweaking it finding the right combination of words. Uh, I recorded it, the, the final version. They sent to my house some kind of portable ADR studio, believe it or not, to my house cool. in Santa Barbara. And I recorded it in the house. Um, but we did, a, we, it was probably two years. As the movie kept getting delayed and it was made, it was made in the summer of 2019, I think, right? Wow. At least, Wasn't that when they I shot think it's it? when they started it at least, right? When they started it, yeah. I was going to say, um, I remember David, I don't know how serious he was about this, but he did mention it, that he at one point had a 
it could be very fleeting idea about doing like a spin-off sitcom kind of of <laughs> the Bacalas, like Janice <laughs> and Bobby. Oh and my like, gosh. Kind of like a soprano sitcom, but like a half hour. Everybody loves Bacala. Something like that, yeah. but like fucked up. Yeah. You know? That yeah. could have been really funny. Like Louie. Yes. Like Wanda. Exactly. Yeah. For the like <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that could have been. And then you funny. could have, you know, people just pop by, you know? Yeah. Meadow and How AJ did... are coming over for dinner. <laughs> How did you feel when you first saw uh, Polly Walnuts and Silvio? <laughs> <laughs> It was a little jarring. Yeah. <laughs> Just, um, Silvio in particular. Yeah. It's a little jarring. It's um you know, it's a little easier to see Michael as Tony because it's Michael, you know. But seeing other people play those characters was kind of bizarre. Yeah. You know, because they're so idiosyncratic. Um uh, but it certainly was fun. Yeah. It was so we have a you know, Joe Perino, who was on uh, Sopranos, who's a, a good friend of all of ours, he had a real problem with showing uh, Paulie Walnuts painting his nails. A lot of people do. Yeah, around around a <laughs> bunch of other gangsters and nobody saying anything about it, just kind of letting them do his thing. Really? What? So what have you heard about that? The same thing. <laughs> a lot of people bumped for a lot of people him painting his nails. And we're actually talking about a gangster, you know, paint or whatever, polishing his nails or something like that, which is kind of hilarious in itself. <laughs> oh, good. The seeing <laughs> um, the the Livia character and the Carmela vibes that I got was just eerie. Like it was yeah. it was it felt almost identical, like just not. And not it sometimes in the way she spoke and everything, but the looks that she, she would give, just like it. it just shot Ooh, me. Uh, Vera Farmiga. Livia? Yeah, the Vera who who played yeah. uh Livia, the the looks that she would give and the way she looked at people it was like that little like squint and then it's like it reminded me so much of being at the dinner table with Carmela and and just seeing those exact she would give those exact looks I felt. Mm. Vera's uh I did a movie with her a long time ago uh an indie um I played a guy who wanted to commit suicide and he hires this hooker to kill him. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, and she was, she's great. Yeah. She was really um, amazing. Uh, but um, yeah, she managed to, that's not an easy part to play. No. No. You know, um, Livy is so specific. Um. And she she did a great job. Yeah. I mean, I really liked what she did. She did amazing. Did you did you get to stop by set at all when they were making the movie? No, no, I didn't stop by set at all. Um, I wasn't really invited, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just kind of yeah. David started talking about in 2019. Yeah, it was it, it was cool. It was cool to kind of do that. Um, character again even though it was just a voice it was there was something really yeah what'd you have to do did you have to like take a minute to like think about it did you dive oh, yeah. right in what'd you do yeah i know it took it took yeah. a bit of like and then like he's older i mean he's dead so he's mm -hmm. 
not really older, but he is older. There's something about, on some of the lines were just great. You know, they moved to the suburbs and this made him, in, a, in my estimation, half a pussy. He's talking about Tony, you know. Um, oh, that's a great point. Yeah, the voiceover. So he, what age is he in that voiceover? Is he slightly uh, older? I don't I made it older just like yeah. to have more of a world weary quality to the mm -hmm. voice. Yeah. Technically, I don't know. I mean, who knows how that works? Well, somebody's going to want to know these guys on Reddit or whatever. They're going to need these answers. He was the but baby. No are you still the age you are when you died or are you aging during the, you know, I guess not. So um, the line of the movie for me was when uh, the whole scene at the beach when he kills his wife, it kills the woman. I mean, uh, was amazing. But when she said, I thought maybe you don't love me anymore. And he said, if I didn't love you anymore, you wouldn't mistake it for maybe. Mm. That was like, like the, for me, that was the line of the movie. Yeah, that's a good line. What, what did you have a line in the movie that, or a moment in the movie that really stands out for you? Every time Junior said, what was it? Your mother's cunt or whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> this, this, no, yeah. That's so you, <laughs> It was nice to see Corey Stoll in a role like that. You know, normally I see him as like a real imposing sort of powerful. And he had this sort of like sheepish, brotherly, you know, take a backseat to your brother vibe in this movie. I thought it was nice. That was a great. Yeah, movie. he did a good job. Yeah. Really good. Job. Was it known that Uncle Junior killed your father? No. No, not at all. That was never talked about. No, on the it was show. always the story was that Tony told Christopher, the cop, that Christopher winds up killing, that that guy did right. it. And um, there's no mention that Uncle Junior was behind it or anything like that. Never. Oh, wow. Do you think when David's making the movie, do you think he knows what moments he wants for the trailer? Like, do you think he. That's a good question. I don't you know, I don't really know. You know the um, scene where they arrest um, them at the amusement park? Didn't they shoot a version of that in the series where he would take oh, yeah. Janice to, as a cover-up? And he goes in the trunk, doesn't he? And hides, and they drive, and then he yes. sees where he's taking yes. Janice to the amusement park. But really, he's taking Janice there as a cover because he's doing business there. Right. And he watches his father get arrested and then he has to walk home. Right. Yeah. That's Joe Saravo did that. Yeah. With whoever played the young Janice and Tony exactly. there. Yeah. 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 I was talking to somebody who said they wish they saw more of the movie with like the young Tony and like kind of through his eyes, like how that scene, there's something about like feeling bad for, you know, a lot of actors talk about like, when they have to cry for a scene, they imagine like them as a child and something really bad happening to them and this. And I think like there was something about that scene that stands out, but just the the, the little Tony stuff that really, because uh, I think Michael's at an age where for me, at least, you know, when Michael was playing him, where you didn't feel, you weren't feeling bad. Where with that little kid, it was like every time something happened, you just, you couldn't help but feel, feel for the kid, you know? Yeah. And my yeah, Michael's a little older at that point, right? Where you just um, you don't have that same that same kind of reaction. It's very different. He's a man, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, he's a man with the yeah. with the child. It's just there's like a this you know the, the sympathy you feel. 
Well, it's an innocence, you know, they're, it's, it's, you know, the, you, they have no choice, but to be around it. You know, these are the adults that are taking care of them as they get older. You, you, you assume they have choices. Is there anything you wanted to see in the movie that you, that you didn't? It's a good question. I no, I didn't go into it with that kind of, that kind of feeling. I mean, it was a ballsy move you know, to make this movie, you know, to kind of even go close to that legacy because it's just so difficult, you know, to, the bar is so high, expectations are so high for this movie, you know. Um, you know, but they did it. Yeah. If, if you could have one moment from your life on film, what would it be? <laughs> Not nothing. I don't want any of it. <laughs> no, there's not one moment that you'd like to be able to. I I've put things from my life in various things, but disguised them. You know, I I, I dressed them up and disguised them as other things. Hmm. I don't I don't like, you know, such getting you know getting that personal sometimes. There's uh. There's just one more question before I want to ask before I let you go. Thank I got so some non-sopranos non oh, yeah. question. Great. I just wanted to know uh, if, if I was coming to meet you for dinner and I showed up and you're just staring into space thinking about something, what are you usually thinking about? It's a Dalai Lama, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> which size, oh, which I don't know. It could be wear? anything. <laughs> it could be anything, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. You practice meditation a lot. I got to imagine a lot of it is decluttering your mind. You're probably at zero. You're looking out that window. I practice meditation to um, work with my mind, you know, mm -hmm. so you so you can have some kind of um, a little bit of more consciousness about how you interact with the world, you know. Yeah. That's why – that's one of the reasons why I do it. So um, – try to make an effort to be present and things like that. You have that quality about you. You, you. you have like a thoughtfulness and you look like you're at peace. You know, who knows what's yeah. going on when this camera turns on. Looks can be seen. You can take one yeah. of those blue chews and just rage for all I know. I, <laughs> I, got, a, I got a question. You know, Martin Scorsese has thoughts about like Marvel movies not being considered cinema. What are your thoughts on Marvel movies? Do you enjoy them? I think they suck. Okay. There you go. Love to hear it. This is what we're going to put in the trailer. For you know what? I shouldn't say they suck. If you like them, they're great. I'm sure they're made the way it's supposed to. Personally, they I I whenever I would take my kids to see like Star Wars or superhero movies, I'd immediately just sleep. I'd sleep through the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Harry Potter. I mean, you know what I did like? Lord of the Rings. Oh, this is the, juicy. Uh, yeah, I like that trilogy. But like superhero shit and Star Wars shit, I just bored to tears. Yeah, sure. That's just me, my aesthetic, my opinion. I'm not saying I shouldn't say they suck because they're for what they are. They're probably well made. It's too late. People you got that them. moment of your life on film. You already said it. <laughs> you said yeah, it's, wow. that's going to be the lead. <laughs> And all I'll the stand behind that. I never get cast in those movies anyway, so I'm not going <laughs> to. It's not like they're going to cast me out of them. You've never auditioned for a, a superhero movie. I probably have, but you know, I'd love to see you in there. 
I think for a lot of a lot of times you think you could do anything as an actor, mm -hmm. right? Because you see other people doing it. Oh, that'd be great. A Marvel movie, you play superheroes. Then you realize you have a wheelhouse. Yeah. I, not that I want to play mobsters and everything. That's not what I do and not what I choose to do. But, um, you know, for me and the type of whatever, the type of stuff that I, how I approach it, the type of stuff I do, um, if I make the wrong choice, I kind of suck in stuff. Like if I choose the wrong role, I stink. If I choose a role that I'm right for, I can do a decent job. And like that kind of thing, I think I, I'm not so I'm not so good at. Um, and I, I, I don't I mean, of course, there's cinema, right? You go to see them in a cinema. I, I, I think what he's saying is he just finds them, you know, not listen, what Scorsese makes art works of art. I mean, you know, I don't think those movies are necessarily works of art. They're works of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Sure, they entertain a lot of people. They're a high execution of craft. Yeah. Do they rise to the level of, you know, what you call art? Yeah. Mm, not, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretentious, <laughs> you know, kind of fuck. So Turn that for me, no, they don't. Well, you know, like, you know what, like you, like you said, do they rise to the level of art? And what I kind of think about is like, when I have, I don't really enjoy those movies either. Maybe one every like four years, I can just like turn off and watch it. But I don't, to me, I feel like what you said, like they're not so much art because when I leave there, it doesn't get me thinking, you know, like I'm not. That's a good point. That's a really good point. That's a really, really, really good point. If you leave a theater and you start thinking, especially if you start thinking about your own life, mm -hmm. they've done something, yeah. they've gotten to you. You know what I mean? Um, that's a great point, Robert. I, I I think that that may be the criterion, you know, uh, the, the 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 criteria of what whether it's a work of art or not. You know? um, it sounds so snobbish and pretentious, but <laughs> I kind of am, and I've done plenty of shit in my life as an actor for money and for whatever reasons, or you know, I, I I'm you can go through my career and see tons of dogs you know um as they say as marlon brando called them dogs we've all done our dogs he said have you seen the uh, val kilmer doc no i want to see that you gotta see it it's great you, you should really him and brando it. didn't get along at all did he does he talk he, about that he doesn't really mention that more the director of the film he he has like but it's all his home videos like he he filmed his entire life oh. And he has Brando in there too. And he the has Brando in there. Brando yeah. didn't like him apparently. I knew I know someone else who was on that movie and said that. Yeah, you should yeah. watch it. I don't know because I, I just it. think you know. Speaking about somebody, you know, really caring about their art, but also understanding like what they can do, and then and then focusing on doing it well. Yeah, he's he's done some awesome. I mean, the Doors was. I can't imagine anybody doing what he did. He was so fucking good in that movie. Yeah, and he tells I you kind of what he did to like go that. after that role. And yeah, it's really, wow. really interesting. Um, he was so good. And yeah. that that part is that took a lot of balls, you know. Um, a lot of balls mm -hmm. to do that part. I mean, because it's so he's such an iconic fucking yeah. person, Jim Morrison, you know. Yeah.
Well, we we appreciate you coming on so much, and thank you so yeah, much for it was great uh, chatting you. with you. Good seeing you again, and yeah. great job in, in the movie. You know, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I'm getting a lot of good. I think a lot of the fans kind of liked having that connection to the show. Starting off the movie with yeah. a connection, it was to tasteful. It was so tasteful. Good. It wasn't over the top. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Next time you find yourself staring off into space, when you figure out what you're thinking about, text me and let me know. <laughs> when what? When you find yourself when staring, staring off into, into space. space. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know right. what uh, I want to write it down. I want to know what go through, goes through Michael Imperioli's head when he's uh, waiting for somebody to show up for lunch, you know? OK, sounds good. Sounds like a deal. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Great to see, see you soon. All right. I hope I see you sooner than later. Absolutely. So long. Well, that was our uh, that was our episode with Michael Imperioli. Great. He plays Christopher Moltisanti. Oh, how'd you learn how to say that in in this pod? Huh? You learned how to say that during this pod. Moltisanti. Yeah, you couldn't say it in the beginning of this. Can pod. you imagine? The only time I really struggled saying Moltisante was in front of Christopher Moltisante. You make That's not the only sick. time you struggled. Mogasangi. You couldn't say it. Well, that was a joke. That was a oh, joke. Oh, that was oh. a joke. Uh, yeah. Please join me and Rob for our uh, podcast, Talking Michael Imperioli, where we go through his entire <laughs> body of work. We try and guess what he's thinking about. Well, thanks. Thanks for uh, everybody. Like subscribe. What else they got to do? Cast. Watch us on Instagram. What do kids do? Watch us on Instagram. We're not. They wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. They would follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. They would. Uh, they would watch our uh, YouTube show. Watch the YouTube. Subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe. And That's hit, what the click kids the do. Notification bell. Oh, I don't think anyone's doing click that. Click the notification bell so you know when our videos go live on YouTube, which is every Tuesday mornings. I don't even do that. I got to do. That. Oh, you heard it. Don't do it. Guys, click that bell. Click the bell. And uh, that was episode 100. Thanks for hanging in there. I know it took a few weeks for us to get 100 in, but it was well worth the wait. I hope. Did it? Yeah. Michael's just the best. Michael Incredible. Imperioli, Christopher Moltisante. And we're going to start having those our first guests since we've gone to Zoom. We're going to start having more guests on. And uh, yeah, guess, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Open. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bye, Jamie. Love, I love you, you guys Amy. so much. See you next Bye. week. Bye.